Taking care of business at Lumen Field, the Seahawks went to work and slayed a pesky giant squad on Sunday to improve to 5-3 and three in the season. How did they get it done against a very talented Giants team? I'm going to break it all down in our weekly postcast here on Locked On Seahawks. You are Locked On Seahawks, your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, 12. This is Corbin Smith, your host for Locked On Seahawks. Thanks to all the 12s out there taking the time to listen to our weekly postcast and, of course, for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We greatly appreciated the Seahawks winning their third consecutive game, making a bit of a statement today against the New York Giants, a team that entered today's contest at 6-1, a 27-13 victory, a game that was much closer than that for most of the contest, the Seahawks pulling away late. Looking forward to taking a first look at that victory today, as usual, on our postcast. Going to have our game balls and offense, defense, and special teams. Three up, three down. Going to switch things up a little bit when we get to that segment today after a really impressive win for the Seahawks. And, of course, breaking down a number of other storylines coming out of this game. Without further ado, let's get to it. The Seahawks and the Giants went into this game today, both with surprising records. The Seahawks at 4-3 and three atop the NFC West. The Giants at 6-1 and one in second place, just behind the only undefeated team in the NFL, the Philadelphia Eagles. Both these teams were expected to be top five, top 10 picks coming up in the 2023 NFL draft. And yet here they are both. If the playoffs start today, they would be in the postseason. This really was a chance for both teams to make a statement. And the Seahawks emphatically showed the world today that they very much belong in the discussion as one of the best teams in the NFC. And really the biggest reason why it's strange saying this, but for a third straight week, the defense brought its A game, and we're continuing to see improvements. The last two weeks, the Seahawks shut down the Cardinals and the Chargers run games. They're running backs in particular. Kyler Murray went for over 100 rushing yards a few weeks ago at Seattle, but the running backs averaged less than 2.5 yards per carry. Austin Eckler and the Chargers running backs averaged less than 3.5 yards per carry. This was a much stiffer test, though, going up against a Giants offense that was in the top three in rushing yards and had one of the best running backs in the NFL in Saquon Barkley. This was a totally different challenge and really a great litmus test to see where the Seahawks defense truly was at. And it'd be an understatement to say that they answered the bell today. Looking at some of the numbers, Saquon Barkley held to 53 rushing yards and just 2.7 yards per carry. Those are both season lows. And mentioned this all week going into this game. To beat this Giants football team, this team that is predicated on running the football and keeping games close, they were able to do that for most of this game, even with the fact they couldn't get Saquon Barkley going. But that was priority one, two, and three. You also had to slow down Daniel Jones as a runner, one of the most underrated rushing quarterbacks in the NFL. He had just 20 rushing yards, and he was stacked five times. The Seahawks were able to frequently get into the backfield, especially late. Once they started to pull away a little bit in the fourth quarter and get some cushion, the crowd noise gets into it, and suddenly 
The pass rushers were able to pin their ears back, get after Jones. They sacked him a couple of times on the final drive to send the Giants packing with their second loss of the season. Chenna Nuosu leading the way with two sacks, had a forced fumble. They also had eight tackles for loss, Ryan Neal and Nuosu with two apiece. And I think that would maybe be my biggest takeaway coming out of this game. We have seen the improvements from the Seahawks defensively the last couple of weeks, and it's been a startling change. And you know, we've seen it the last two years, but it's not the same as it's been the last two seasons in the sense that you have a brand new coordinator. The last two years, Ken Norton Jr. had already been there. You're trying to figure out how to maximize your personnel. You're playing a bunch of rookies. And really, what was really killing them was run defense. In the last two years, this was one of the best run defenses in the NFL. Seattle was in the top five in yards per carry allowed each of the last two seasons. So for them to go out and struggle as much as they did the first five games, giving up over 145 rushing yards in four consecutive games at one point during that stretch. That's just not normal for a Pete Carroll defense. And to see how they've been able to turn things around and kind of mix and match their personnel to really best fit their skill sets within the confines of the defense that Clint Hurt wants to run, going back to some things they did under Ken Norton Jr., I mean, there's been a lot of factors at play, but they look like they have truly put everything together. And my big takeaway here is all the negative plays. When you're able to get eight tackles for a loss, and this was from the outset, Ryan Neal, I believe it was the second possession of the game for the Giants. The Giants went three and out each of their first three drives. That second drive, he tripped up Saquon Barkley four yards in the backfield on a third down on a screen play. Those type of plays are killer for an offense. And the Seahawks have been doing it a lot the last couple of weeks, but it was particularly evident in this one with their ability to bottle up Barkley, bottle up Daniel Jones. The run game just never was able to get going. And the Giants had one offensive touchdown that came when they started with the football at the Seahawks' two-yard line after a fumble by Tyler Lockett. Otherwise, they only had one other drive where they were able to get into Seahawks' territory and score any points. So really, it was another fantastic outing by the defense. And maybe my favorite play of the entire game came in the third quarter. And the Giants were actually driving here. They did get a field goal in this drive. It was their only other scoring drive they had away from the one-yard touchdown run by Barkley in the second quarter. But Bruce Irvin comes flying up field. And Daniel Jones hands it off to Saquon Barkley. And I don't know that I had necessarily seen a play like this. I felt like I was watching bowling mesh with the NFL because Bruce Irvin took Daniel Jones, made him the bowling ball, and he was going for the spare, got the extra pin down, which was Saquon Barkley, knocked him down for an eight-yard loss in the backfield. That drive was a really promising one for the Giants. And that play alone completely demolished the drive. Now, they were able to eventually get a field goal, but that was a crucial play in this football game by the defense. And just seeing the veteran step in Bruce Irvin be able to continue making an impact, particularly with Daryl Taylor exiting middle of the game with a hip injury, for him to play that way and come up with those kind of clutch plays. The Seahawks were doing it all day. They were making tackles in the backfield. They were getting after Daniel Jones. When he was trying to scramble, they were doing a great job of pursuing him. And there was one play in particular that stood out for that regard. Shelby Harris in the fourth quarter, late in the fourth quarter, big 300-pound Shelby Harris chasing down Daniel Jones as he's trying to scramble and gets him five yards behind the line of scrimmage on third down, doesn't get the first down. Those type of effort plays were evident all day long. And everybody on this defense is feeding off of one another. Just night and day difference. And 
I know that this defense has made these type of transformations in the second half of the season the last couple of years, but this is earlier than what they did the last couple of years. There's not a lot of parallels in the sense that this is a team that's got a lot of new players. They were trying to replace Jamal Adams. There were a lot of moving pieces with a new coordinator and seeing everything come together. This is obviously not a Giants offense that has a lot of weapons on the outside to throw the football to. They were missing players in their offensive line. So you weren't going against a full-strength Giants offense. They're not known for their passing game anyway. But for the Seahawks to come out and hold them to under 100 rushing yards as a team, limit Saquon Barkley to just 53, 2.7 yards per carry, that is an impressive performance. They were swarming to the football. Aside from a few missed tackles here and there, the tackling was superb, maybe the best tackling we've seen from this defense all season. They were getting their hands on the football a lot. And Mike Jackson, in particular, with three pass breakups, I believe they had six in the game, six for 16 on third downs. The Giants averages three and a half yards per play and 225 net yards. You put all those statistics together and it just tells you how dominant, how suffocating of an effort this was for the Seahawks in front of their home crowd. And if they can continue to play at this level, they're not going to be able to hold teams down this much every single week. But this offense has been productive enough for the most part, and they still put up 27 points today, even with some missed opportunities, a couple missed touchdown chances in this game. They still put up 27 points. They were helped by special teams as well. I'll get to that later. But if the defense can play anywhere close to this on a consistent basis at this level, then this team absolutely has a chance to get to the double-digit win mark. And that's not something I thought I'd be saying at this point. But with how the rest of the NFC looks, with this team, it no longer looks like it's just a feel-good story, a lot of fun you know, watching this young team grow. This looks like a team that really can push for a playoff spot in the NFC West and maybe be a team by the end of the year, if they aren't already to this point, that you don't want to play in January. They didn't even run the football well today, and yet they still found ways to put points on the board. They got tons of stops on defense, created some turnovers on special teams, like Pete Carroll said after the game, this was a really satisfying win all the way around against a very good team. I, I left more impressed with the Giants than what I was going into this game. There are still some major question marks for that team. I don't know how many more games they're going to win, but they are extremely well coached. They're pesky, and for three-plus quarters, they were right there with the Seahawks. And Late, the Seahawks were able to get a couple of those closing punches on them. So maybe these are two teams we'll see play again in January. Really physical football. It was fun to watch the Seahawks coming out on top with the 27-13 victory. Up next, I'm going to get to my game balls. Who excelled on offense, defense, and special teams? There were a lot of candidates at all three phases of the game coming out of the most complete victory against a really good team the Seahawks have had all year. I'm going to get to those game balls coming up next here on our postcast edition of Locked On Seahawks. Now a word from our sponsor, BetterHelp. Life can be full of challenges. Recently, our family has undergone significant strife with family members dealing with health issues, and it's been a struggle for me coping with it mentally. Life can be full of twists and turns, so it's important to show yourself through it all, and BetterHelp's online therapy can assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist in less than 48 hours. Therapy worked wonders for me, but don't just take my word for it. Having someone in your corner to guide you when you're struggling to navigate obstacles can be invaluable. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It's professional therapy done securely online, available to people worldwide. With therapy, it can take a few tries to find the right fit for you. BetterHelp is a great way to invest in yourself, and BetterHelp has a special offer for our listeners. Get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com. 
That's 10% off your first month of online therapy at betterhelp.com slash locked on. You're listening to the postcast edition of Locked On Seahawks. This is your host, Corbin Smith. As always, greatly appreciate all the 12s out there, whether you are in Ireland, England, you're somewhere in Africa, wherever you're listening from. We appreciate all of you that take the time to make Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. The Seahawks coming away with a signature home win in week eight, a 27-13 to 13 victory, a hard-fought win over the Giants. Really, for three-plus quarters, this was a back-and-forth defensive slugfest, the kind of game that Pete Carroll has always loved, and the Seahawks were able to get the finishing touch. It showed that killer instinct that we didn't necessarily see at times last year, and Last three weeks, they've been able to make those plays count on both sides of the ball when they need to, and that helped them seal the deal and get a really nice victory over a Giants team that I am much more, uh, much higher on coming out of this game than what I was coming into it. I picked the Seahawks to win this one fairly easily, and they could have. There were missed opportunities, but the Giants did a lot of things. They're just pesky, and they're so well coached. This is a very difficult team to put away. Let's get to our game balls now. And this was one of the tougher games for me to pick players, particularly on the defensive side of the football for game balls. Going to start on offense and it's a player that's won several game balls already this year. You could make an argument for a few other players that had big plays, but Geno Smith, you look at the numbers today, 23 for 34, 212 yards, two touchdowns. That is not the best stat line that he has had this season. He's had a couple games over 300 passing yards. He's had a couple games with three touchdown passes. But those numbers, if you watch the game and you paid close attention, those numbers could have been significantly better. And he still wasn't far off from a 70% completion percentage. You just put it this way. Fourth quarter, actually it was a third quarter, end of the third quarter, that Geno Smith had Tyler Lockett wide open on what would have been a 33-yard touchdown, and Lockett uncharacteristically had a ball bounce off his face mask and wasn't able to reel it in. He got redemption later, catching, ironically, a 33-yard touchdown, same distance, pretty much the same route, that put the Seahawks back ahead by seven points. But he missed on that opportunity in the third quarter. And Smith also had a pass that flew through DK Metcalf's hands in the first quarter on a vertical route down the sideline. It looked like Metcalf's arm was grabbed and he was pulled back a little bit. May have been a penalty that went uncalled. But the point is, there were several passes in this game that were right on the money that were not caught, including that touchdown opportunity by Lockett in the third quarter. So easily, this could have been a game where Geno Smith threw for 250-plus yards, had three, maybe even four touchdowns. There was another play that was actually a great play by Adore Jackson on Marquise Goodwin. It looked like that could have maybe been a touchdown the defender snuck in. So kudos to Jackson for making that play. But Geno Smith was throwing dimes, made a number of great throws, a couple of them while he had, had pass rushers bearing down on him, hitting him. And the Seahawks were not able to capitalize on all those chances, but they capitalized on enough of them to get the victory. So I thought, Gino, this was one of those games where he was rock solid. He was still very efficient, didn't have a ton of support at times. He was dealing with a receiving core, the top two players. They're gutting through it, but Metcalf and Lockett are not close to 100%, and they're just battling through the game. And he stayed calm. He remained poised. And he made the throws late. That's been the biggest difference for Geno Smith the last three weeks. He is finishing off games. He and his teammates are finishing off games 
that they weren't last year when he started a few games in place of Russell Wilson early this season. He did it again with two clutch touchdown drives and went five for five on that first touchdown drive in the fourth quarter for 75 yards. They ran five plays. They were all pass plays, and he got, I believe, four of them went for first downs or touchdowns. He was extremely efficient in this game, and so you could look at a few of the other players. I mean, the offensive line, they did a decent job protecting him, especially later in the second half as they made adjustments. But this was the Geno Smith show, and he continued to play quarterback at a very high level. So he deserves the game ball here. Going to the defensive side of the ball, I had two players in particular I was looking at. One of them will get the game ball. Another one I'll mention in the next segment when we're talking three up, three down. But Uchenna Nuosu gets his third game ball of the season here on Locked on Seahawks. He was all over the place. I don't know that he's quite reached the point where he is comparable to Cliff Averill in regards to being the best free agent signing of the John Schneider era, but he's got to be in that discussion a little bit with what he's doing. He now has five sacks in the season, had two of them today. One of them he forced a fumble on, had a couple other plays in the run game where he helped blow up Saquon Barkley. And really maybe the most impressive play that Uchenna Nuosu made this entire game was for something that you wouldn't expect an outside linebacker to do. He was with Saquon Barkley hip to hip running down the sideline on a wheel route in coverage, perfectly positioned against him and caused an incomplete pass from Daniel Jones. And Pete Carroll was raving about it after the game. That versatility, you need that when you're running a 3-4 defense. You have an outside linebacker that's going to drop back a fair amount. And Chenin has been able to do that. And you can tell he's comfortable. He's got a lot of experience playing in coverage. That's really been a big difference maker for this football team. When you have an outside linebacker that can cover an athlete like Saquon Barkley out of the backfield on a wheel route, and he can be positioned like that and be able to play the football and see the football coming down to the receiver. I mean, you just don't have a lot of outside linebackers out there that can do that. And Nuosu has proven a couple times this year that he can. There's been a few times he's had receivers go against him that have gotten separation, which you would expect against a 250-pound outside linebacker. But more times than not, he has been in good position in coverage, and he did it a couple times this game. That wheel rod in particular was the one that jumped out. But you get a couple sacks, you force a fumble, make a few plays in the run game, and you're playing well in coverage, complete package. This kid continues to look like a free agency steal, and they might want to be talking to him about an extension already because he's got a second year in that contract. But maybe before the money keeps going up, See if you can extend to this kid who's still a very young player and already looks like a perfect fit for what the Seahawks want to do defensively. He has been a game wrecker for them in run defense, rushing the passer. And as I mentioned, he is contributing to their passing defense in coverage as well. He has been a fantastic addition to this football team. And last but not least, the biggest surprise from this football game, and it's not surprising coming out of the game that this player wins it. It's just that we're talking about Will Disley as the special teams player of the week. Disley is one of their starting tight ends along with Noah Fant, but he still plays quite a bit of special teams. And I think sometimes fans, the ones that aren't in the Pacific Northwest, the ones that follow Washington know this well, but he was a defensive player before he moved to tight end in the second part of his career at Washington. He started off as a college uh, defensive lineman and moved over to the tight end position. And you can see that when he plays on special teams, absolutely love the contributions they got from him today. And the first fumble that he forced in the second quarter, this was after Tyler Lockett had coughed with the football, the giants scored from a yard out. And then the Seahawks had to punt. 
that ensuing punt, all the momentum seems to be on the Giants' sideline. And Disley comes down and throws a shoulder into Richie James, the punt returner, knocks the football out, and then Joey Blunt, the undrafted rookie safety, falls on it. I actually didn't think the Seahawks got the football initially. Dariq Young was the first one that had a crack at it, and he overjumped the football and it scored it out from underneath him. But another rookie, Joey Blunt, was able to recover it. Seattle gets a field goal after that to put him back up by three points. It's 10-7 at that point. But Disley's not done. Again, coming up with a clutch play in the fourth quarter. The Seahawks, at that point, they're up seven. They just got the touchdown from Geno Smith to Tyler Lockett, and they're trying to seal this win. They unfortunately went three and out after a defensive stand. So the Giants are going to get another opportunity, or are they not? Because Travis Homer comes in and blows up Richie James, punches the football out, and Number 89, Will Disley's waiting there to recover it. So he had a forced fumble and a fumble recovery on two separate plays on special teams today. Uh, you're going to be hard-pressed to ever find somebody that's going to have a better day on special teams than what Will Disley did today. Not a name that I expected to be reading for this one, but a very easy selection. And it just shows you the all-around football player that Will Disley is. That background as a defensive tackle before he moved to tight end. He's always played special team for the Seahawks, a selfless player that does whatever he needs to do to help his football team. And he did that big time today, contributing on those two turnovers on special teams that really proved to be the difference in this game. You don't get those two forced fumbles and uh, the quick turnaround to get those 10 points off. This is a significantly different game. And maybe the Giants, as they've done so many times earlier this year, find a way in the closing minutes to steal a game. But those turnovers proved crucial. And Will Disley was at the center of both of them. Up next, usually I'm doing three up, three down. I'm going to switch it up just a little bit this week, looking at studs and duds after an impressive victory for the Seahawks. We'll get to those here in a moment on our pod, our postcast edition of Locked On Seahawks. Whether you're looking to pop the question, have a milestone to celebrate, or want to let your love sparkle, Blue Nile can help you make your celebrations even more memorable. As the original online jeweler, Blue Nile offers the largest selection of independently graded diamonds and pieces priced significantly below traditional retailers. Blue Nile has helped millions of couples create their perfect engagement ring. Their easy online tools let you choose the diamond shape, size, and clarity, as well as a setting style. Blue Nile's bench jewelers will then help you handcraft her perfect one-of-a-kind engagement ring. Looking for a piece of fine jewelry to commemorate a special milestone, but still having trouble choosing? Blue Nile has jewelry experts on hand 24-7, available via phone or chat to help you find a memorable gift at every budget. Shop stress-free with Blue Nile's 100% satisfaction guarantee, and all Blue Nile orders are insured and shipped for free in discreet packaging. They also offer overnight shipping if you're in a rush. Make your moment sparkle with Blue Nile. Go to BlueNile.com and use the promo code Locked On to save $50 on your purchase of $500 or more. That's BlueNile.com, code Locked On to save $50 on your purchase of $500 or more. You're listening to the postcast edition of Locked On Seahawks. I'm your host, Corbin Smith. Thanks, as always, to all the 12s out there for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. And for your second listen, make sure to check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast. They've got the biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day. It's available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. As we do each and every week, it's time for some three-up, three-down action. And I will admit, I, I was... Hard-pressed not to do this last week because of how impressive that win in L.A. was. But 
Still had a few players that had somewhat down games, so was able to still do the normal three up, three down format. But today was such an impressive win against a really well-coached New York Giants football team. You're going to be hard-pressed to find any duds coming out of this game. Tyler Lockett probably would have been the easy selection because he had a fumble inside the five-yard line, dropped a touchdown pass, but he totally redeemed himself in the fourth quarter with a touchdown grab from Geno Smith and was able to get the Seahawks back out in front. So not really any duds in this game. So I'm going to do it a little differently. We're going to go three up and three up. We're going to look at offense as well as defense and maybe have one player that contributed on special teams mixed in there as well. So tons of positivity, like Pete Carroll was saying after the game, he pretty much rattled off the entire roster, guys that had good games today. And that's what you got to have to be able to beat quality football teams like the New York Giants. That's what the Seahawks accomplished today. So let's go to the offensive side of the football. And I'm going to start with a player who I have been critical of quite a bit on this podcast. He started a handful of games beginning the season last year at the center position, and that's Kyle Fuller. Fuller got thrust into the lineup today with Austin Blythe suffering what Carroll called a knee sprain, and he exited for a handful of drives. Blythe did return I believe he got into the game late second quarter, early third quarter, and they had him back out there for a couple of drives, but he clearly wasn't feeling great, so the Seahawks decided to hold him out the rest of the game. But Fuller came in, and I thought played at a really high level, and this is a difficult matchup when you're talking about a defense for the Giants that's coordinated by Wink Martindale, longtime Ravens defensive coordinator, runs a ton of exotic blitzes, mixes in twists and stunts, does some very unorthodox things that can make communication up front extremely challenging. And yet Fuller checked right in, looked in full command of the offense, thought he did a really good job protecting Geno Smith as well, from what I could tell, Uh, held up well on pass protection, had a couple nice run blocks. So this was one of the better games, if not the best performance that I've seen from Kyle Fuller in his couple seasons in Seattle. And that's a big deal. If they can get better play out of him when he checks in a lineup, they obviously want to get Austin Blythe back as quickly as they possibly can. But if you can see Kyle Fuller go out and play that way, and the Giants have some really good players in their defensive interior, that's maybe the greatest strength of their defense with Dexter Lawrence as well as Leonard Williams. With those two guys in the middle, for him to play the way that he did today, that's got to give you a lot more confidence. If they have to go a week or two without Austin Blythe, they should feel comfortable with that, much more comfortable than they did previously because we hadn't seen him play this well. So kudos to number 61. I thought he did a really fine job stepping in and and. Kudos to Andy Dickerson, too, for having his guys prepared in this type of an instance and being able to put a backup center in and maintain continuity in the offensive line, be able to hold up against the blitzes the Giants were bringing. Really nice job by everybody involved there. Now, second on my list, DK Metcalf. A lot of people, including myself, did not expect Metcalf was going to play in this football game. I was really surprised when reports came out Saturday that indicated that he was going to play in this game. And he looked to me like he was fully healthy. He had a few vertical routes downfield where he was running, looked to me like full speed. You couldn't tell that he was hurt. But for him to come back less than a week after injuring that patellar tendon, six catches, 55 yards, didn't have a ton of long catches, but he had several clutch first down catches. There was a 15-yard reception on a third and 14 play that he converted on. He scored the Seahawks' first touchdown wide open, a three-yard pass from Smith to him in the middle of the end zone. So for DK Metcalf to not only be available in this game, but to play well 
didn't have his best game in terms of reception or yardage. And certainly there were some deep threat or deep balls downfield that I think he and Geno Smith would have liked to hook up on that they didn't. But for him to play this well and get in the end zone when he was not at 100% health, that's a big deal for the Seahawks. And ensuring now that they're going to have him around moving forward. And this isn't something that's going to be an injury that lingers. He, did, again, didn't look like he was uh, hindered at all out there on the field, was running around smoothly, jumping up, catching footballs. Such a great sign for the Seahawks, and it shows his toughness, willingness to go out there and play for his team and, and come up with some big receptions in this game. And my last one on offense is also a special teams call out, and that's Travis Homer. Welcome back from injured reserve, their best pass protecting running back. I thought Ken Walker III did a really nice job in pass protecting today, but I digress here. Homer had a 21-yard reception out of the backfield. He forced a fumble on special teams in the fourth quarter. He's the one that blasted Richie James, and then Will Disley recovered the football. A couple plays later, the Seahawks punch it in with Ken Walker III on a Marshawn Lynch-esque run, somehow keeping his balance, staying upright, breaking a tackle, 12-yard touchdown. That does not happen, though, without Travis Homer's heroics on special teams. They really missed him in that phase of the game. You could see his value on offense as a pass protector and a pass catcher. He had two rushes for 10 yards as well, had one of their better runs of the day, and a game where they really couldn't get much traction with their running game. I thought Travis Homer impacted this game in a number of different ways and was a key aspect of this victory. Really nice to have number 25 back on the field. Now shifting over to defense. Again, usually this is three up, three down, but going to be really hard-pressed to find any duds coming out of this really impressive, satisfying victory over the Giants. And on defense, there were plenty of names to choose from. First, going into the trenches with Daryl Taylor being out for a good chunk of this game. Boye Mafe continues to play at a high level. The Seahawks have six rookies that are starting for them right now, and every single one of those players made big plays today in this victory. That includes Mafe. You look at the stat line, he had only two tackles, but don't let that fool you. He was a big part of their run defense holding Saquon Barkley to just 53 yards and limiting Daniel Jones' effectiveness as a scrambler. He was chasing after Jones several times. He has done a great job setting the edge, keeps getting better each week, and the Giants couldn't get any push against him. He was holding up at the point of attack, and Barkley a couple times ran into his blocker running towards Boye Mafe because of how firm he set the edge, and so he was a big part of that also. They decided not to block him, which is usually a really bad idea, especially with an athlete of Boy Mafe's caliber. But they left him unblocked, and he made them pay flying into the backfield and sacking Daniel Jones. That's his second sack of the season. His other one was a debatable one against the 49ers where Garoppolo was around the line of scrimmage. But if you want to be nitpicky, this was definitely his first true sack, getting into the backfield, blowing up Daniel Jones. Had a couple other plays that he harassed Jones as well. This was the best game that Boye Mafe has played in his young career when you put the complete package together. And if Daryl Taylor's going to miss any time, uh, it already looks like Boye Mafe has taken that starting job, though. And he's doing a little bit of everything for Seattle. Another big effort from the second-round pick out of Minnesota. Ryan Neal on the list for the second time in three weeks. Last week, he didn't make the three-up list because he was the defensive game ball winner, but another really impressive performance from number 26. Had two tackles for loss. I mentioned earlier in the show, one of them was tripping up Barkley in the backfield on a screenplay on third down. 
forced the Giants to punt after a three and out. Finished second on the team with six tackles. Didn't play quite as well as last week, but that was an ungodly performance by Ryan Neal last week. But he's played really well again this week. He's brought stability, and I know Seahawks fans were holding their collective breaths at the end of the game because he had to be taken off the field twice. Turns out it was just cramps, though. That's the good news. He doesn't have a serious injury, so number 26 should be out there when the Seahawks play the Cardinals in Glendale next week. But this kid keeps coming up with big games, and really he's been a key aspect of this defense turning things around. Josh Jones has played well in a situational role, but Ryan Neal going back into starting lineup, that has really been a game changer for the Seahawks, flying all over the field, making plays in the backfield making plays in coverage. He's doing a little bit of everything. He's really solidified that strong safety position with Jamal Adams out for the rest of the season. And my runner-up for defensive game ball, last but not least here, Mike Jackson. There's been a lot of discussion, even on this podcast, Trey Brown returning to practice this week after a long rehab from a patellar tendon injury, knee surgery. There's been this quiet expectation out there that they're just keeping the seat warm for when Trey Brown is ready. But if Mike Jackson is going to play the way that he has the last couple of weeks, particularly today, three pass breakups, two of them coming on third down plays, and a couple of times he blasted ball carriers going out of bounds. I mean, this guy is an enforcer at the cornerback position. He is a hard hitter. He doesn't miss a lot of tackles, plays physical coverage. He's really improved a lot as the season has progressed in that regard. And just coming up with a number of Big plays in coverage this week against the Giants. Clutch third down pass breakups. This kid looks like he is ready to keep that starting job. Trey Brown is going to have his work cut out for him, even if he's fully healthy, getting that job back. If number 30 is going to play the way that he did today, and Pete Carroll, Quandre Diggs, and company, everybody was raving about his performance after the game, as they should have been. He was my runner-up behind Nuosu with all those pass breakups. And just the physical coverage, he fits the mindset of what the Seahawks want to have at the cornerback position. He's been a nice compliment to Tariq Woolen on the other side, two players with vastly different athletic traits, size, skill sets, and yet they're both very effective in this defense and doing a really nice job. And this secondary as a whole has really come together with these two young corners feeding off each other, Ryan Neal playing well, and Quandre Diggs has looked much more like Quandre Diggs these last couple of games as well. It's a lot easier to do that when everybody else in your secondary is playing well. So really nice performance for Mike Jackson, who looks like he is ready to battle and hold on to that starting job, even with Trey Brown set to return to the 53-man roster here in the near future. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at Corbin Smith NFL. Check out Locked on Seahawks on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and streaming five days a week on YouTube. Coming up tomorrow, I'll be rejoined by my co-host Rob Rang for some Monday musings, some in-depth takeaways coming out of today's game on offense, defense, and special teams. We'll also take a look at the state of the NFC. The Seahawks looking pretty good right now in a conference that doesn't have a lot of contenders emerging. The Seahawks, one of the few bright spots in the conference right now. You won't want to miss it. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday, and thanks for listening. Go Hawks!